0: What's up everybody and welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonners. This is episode 25 and uh, my name is Jonners. Today we're going to be covering NXT UK, NXT from the 13th of February 2019, shown on the WWE Network. We've got a few news items to be getting into. We're also going to be talking a little bit about my Elimination Chamber pay-per-view predictions, which is taking place uh, this Sunday. We'll be covering them off very, very soon. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I hope you've all had a, a good week um, where I am. The weather's actually turned quite nice. Two weeks ago, we had snow. Last week, we had driving rain and uh, storm gale-forced winds. And today is bright sunshine, so um, a lovely day in the Jonahs household. But welcome to another episode. I've been looking forward to uh, covering off these two episodes of NXT and NXT UK with you uh, for a few days now. thought they were two cracking hours of wrestling and I can't wait to cover them off very, very soon with you. First of all, just a couple of plugs. So I normally do this at the end of the episode, going to do them occasionally at the beginning of the episode. So you know where to contact me if you want to get in touch, ask any questions or simply want to interact with the various social media platforms we've got going out there. So first of all, Twitter. Uh, my, my Twitter following is growing by the day, so thank you very much indeed for that. If you want to get in touch via Twitter, um, simply go on to Twitter and look up withjohnners underscore pod. It's at withjohnners underscore pod. You can email the show, get in touch, ask us some questions. Uh, just simply email wrestlingwithjohnners at gmail.com. We're on Instagram as well, so if you're on Instagram want to get in touch with us, uh, just simply search Wrestling With Jonners. That's at Wrestling With Jonners on Instagram. And finally, you'll be able to find us on Facebook. We've got a Facebook community page there, Facebook group. Uh, just simply go on to Facebook, search Wrestling With Jonners and click on the logo. And uh, yep, you can request to be part of the group. Normally I um, accept or approve any invites within just a couple of minutes and you can join in on all of the, the interaction, all of the engagement, all the conversation and all the fun things we do on our Facebook page. First of all, um, I just want to kind of talk to you a little bit about Pedro Morales. So Pedro Morales uh, died earlier on this week, the 12th of February, um, and uh, of course, uh, WWF WWF uh, legend. Um, he was born on the 22nd of October 1942 and uh, was a a Puerto Rican professional wrestler. Um, He's best known for his appearances in the United States with uh, Worldwide Association, WWA, or the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, the WWWF. So Pedro Antonio Morales debuted um, as a professional wrestler in 1959. Morales originally came to prominence with the WWA in the 1960s, where he held the World Heavyweight Championship and the World Tag Team Championships uh, in that promotion. In 1970, he joined the WWWF, winning its World Heavyweight Championship and the United States Championship, and in his second run with the company, uh, when he rejoined, it was the WWF, the World Wrestling Federation. Um, in the 1980s, he won the Intercontinental Championship and the Tag Team Championship, establishing himself as the promotion's first ever Triple Crown Champion. Morales eventually retired in 1987. He was a very popular champion uh, with particular appeal to his native Puerto Rican and wider Latino audience. Uh, The first Latino to hold a World Heavyweight Championship. His combined reign as WWWF Heavyweight Champion remains amongst the longest in history. He also holds the record for the most days as Intercontinental Champion and he was inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame in 1995. On to some other news, Uh, Jimmy Uso has been arrested um, in the last uh, 24 hours or so and uh, I believe that he was caught um, intoxicated behind the wheel of a vehicle and when he uh, was was pulled over and he exited the car, apparently he uh, faced up to the officer, took his shirt off um, and kind of, uh, yeah, faced up to the officer. But he has been arrested. Um, I believe he's out on bail now, but that uh, does throw the Uso's championship match against the Miz and Shane McMahon into jeopardy on Sunday night at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. be interesting to see what happens there. I know this isn't the first time that Jimmy Uso has been uh, arrested by the police. Apparently, uh, Naomi, his wife, uh, Trinity uh, Fatu was in the car as well. I'm not entirely sure whether she uh, was arrested at the scene, but certainly Jimmy Uso was. And his uh, not only his match on Sunday is in jeopardy, um, but uh, possibly his career with the WWE, considering the amount of times that he's actually caused um, issues for the WWE in similar instances in the past. Other newsworthy notes is that The Undertaker has been booked to appear at StarCast 2 uh, during the Double or Nothing uh, weekend, the, the um, All Elite Wrestling uh, show, which is taking place in Las Vegas, Nevada in May. And uh, just like the All In Wrestling show from last September, um, they're doing a second StarCast, uh, which was organised at the time uh, by... Conrad Thompson, of course, he's the, the host of Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard, and uh, they're doing a second star cast. But as I mentioned, The Undertaker will be there uh, making a personal appearance over that weekend, and of course. AEW is uh, kind of fresh on the scene, signing up lots of exciting talent, uh, not just from the States, but from around the world, and uh, with lots of underutilised WWE performers interested in possibly signing with AEW uh, for uh, a, a bit of a resurgence, an opportunity to make some money and be used more effectively. Certainly that's, uh, that, that's what they would like. Uh, we, we've heard the names of maybe the revival going when their contracts up, uh, but I don't think their contracts up for, for quite a while. And they've just been uh, they've just won the WWE Raw Tag Team Champions um, this past Monday when they defeated Bobby Roode and Chad Gable in a, a very very good match. Uh, but yeah, you've heard other names of maybe Randy Orton going to AEW, Dolph Ziggler going to AEW. And of course, pretty much all of the Bullet Club or the, the, the elite uh, Kenny Omega, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Alan Page uh, they're all part of AEW now. They're all kind of all in, uh, signed up uh, members of this new organisation. Um, and of course, uh, Double or Nothing sold out um, in four minutes on Wednesday. Now, I think they sold um, over 11,000 tickets in the pre-sale a day or so earlier. I think that was on the Monday. But when tickets went on sale to the general public a couple of days later, the remaining tickets sold out in four minutes. So um, I believe they've sold nearly 12,000 tickets for that show, which is taking place in May. They could have sold more, uh, they they could have sold out uh, a 15 or maybe even a 20,000 seater um, arena. Uh, that's obviously going to happen in the future, but they are hot right now, hot, hot, hot. And um, yet yeah, for as long as they keep bringing in these exciting names. Kenny Omega, of course, uh, the, the biggest um, and the most exciting name that they've announced over the last week or so, um, along with uh, talents from all over America, all over the world, coming in wanted to be a part of this uh, AEW uh, wrestling organisation. And uh, I think it's starting to get the WWE rattle just a little bit, especially with there being lots of rumours of um, unsatisfied, underutilised wrestlers backstage not getting on TV. And we've seen like I say, a few of these actually cropping up on TV a bit more regularly, getting a little bit of success. The Revival, as I mentioned, being one of those, of course, with them winning the uh, Tag Gold on Raw on Monday but there's other wrestlers out there Um, of course the wwe have been focusing their efforts over the last year or so signing up um, pretty much everybody and anybody that's available out there are the indies uh, the uk scene uh, from japan as well so it can tie them up to a long-term contract preventing them from joining ring of honor for example or uh, most notably aew Uh, so they've got all this talent and absolutely no way of being able to utilise all of these names. You look at the NXT roster, I think they've got over 100 wrestlers, 100 wrestlers on their books uh, down in Florida. You look at uh, all the UK talent that they've been signing up uh, recently, which is great. And a big advocate of the NXT UK brand, so you won't hear me complaining about that. But still, there's more names uh, on, the, uh, on the WWE paycheck. And then you look at the main roster between Raw and SmackDown. I don't know. They must have. Uh, they must have 80 uh, to 100 names shared between those two brands, if not more. So you're looking at you're looking at well over. 200, 250 uh, wrestlers associated with WWE and there's only so much screen time, there's only so much TV time. But then on the flip side, you've got to ask yourself, are they doing enough with the time available to them? Are they making enough of their three-hour Raw's, their two-hour SmackDown's and a multitude of other shows that uh, could be made available to all this talent on the WWE Network? Very interesting. But going back to The the Undertaker, of course, um, he has signed on to do some uh, guest appearances, some spoken word tours. Of course, he's doing the Inside the Rope spoken word tour of the UK. I think he's going to London, uh, Manchester, Glasgow um, through April and May. And uh, I'm actually going to the London show on April the 30th. Can't wait for that. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Um, The Undertaker is also doing a wrestling convention um, uh, at the back end of April before the Inside of the Ropes tour starts. So that will be a kind of a, a sign in and a, a bit of a convention where he'll be doing some, some interviews and a um, bit of a spoken word presentation on stage, I understand. So he's doing things kind of around the UK, I think, the Undertaker was never known for going out and about and doing these interviews, doing these spoken word tours, making himself available to conventions. Now his his, his price is pretty hefty. I think it's something like twenty thousand dollars per hour, or that's the uh, that's the figure that I've heard anyway. But Uh, What's most interesting about this is yes, I mean it could be uh, in a similar vein to the Inside the Ropes tour, to the uh, wrestling convention being uh, held in Liverpool in April, Uh, but this is StarCast 2. This has got tie-ins with AEW. Now, I don't expect The Undertaker to wrestle for AEW for one moment, but it can't make the management of WWE too happy, knowing that The Undertaker is going to be associated with that weekend, the Double or Nothing weekend, and part of StarCast 2. So that's a a newsworthy uh, segment to keep your eye on and to see the developments there. Uh, But at the end of the day, you know, he's been given permission to um, do these uh, conventions, to do these spoken word tours, to um, go to these signings. He's getting paid handsomely to do it. I think that could be an indicator more than anything that his wrestling career uh, might be coming to an end with the WWE. And once again, I I don't want that to come across as if he's going to be wrestling for somebody else. Um, You know, later on this year, that's certainly not the case. I think he's taken advantage of the fact that uh, he's he's a hot commodity um, out there. People want to hear about him. People want to hear his voice. People want to hear his stories. And I think it's just... Uh, common knowledge that people are fascinated by this this character, by the gimmick that he's cultivated over the last 28 years um, and his kind of 30 plus year career um, in the professional wrestling business. And uh, like I say, up until very recently, he's been a very private person, um, he, he, a very protected gimmick, and uh, people want to hear from him. So if they're prepared to pay uh, what his rates are, then fair play, and it looks like he's going to be a big attraction for StarCast 2 over AEW's Double or Nothing weekend in Las Vegas in May. Let's have a little look at the Elimination Chamber previews, Elimination Chamber matches on this coming Sunday's WWE pay-per-view, which will be taking place on the WWE Network. Um, Some fairly good matches. The the card overall doesn't really inspire me as much as, say, the Royal Rumble card doesn't. Uh, hopefully it builds towards uh, a, a really attractive WrestleMania card um, in April. Let's have a look at what he's... Possibly going to be on the pre show Buddy Murphy versus Akira Tozawa with Buddy Murphy defending his Cruiserweight Championship. Now, I think Buddy Murphy has gone from strength to strength with his, his look. I think he's actually fairly good on the mic. Um, he's absolutely stunning in the ring um, for a guy as jacked as he is being able to do the moves that he does. He's exceptionally athletic and can pretty much do anything in the ring. And uh, I think that's why the WWE have kept the bout on him for this long. Akira Tozawa. In all honesty, as much as I love Akira, I can't really take him seriously as uh, somebody that could potentially dethrone Buddy Murphy. Now, Akira was one of the first uh, Cruiserweight Championships back when the uh, the championship was reintroduced a few years ago. I-, I think if you look at the contenders on 205 Live, there isn't really that many names that you can take to- seriously to dethrone Buddy Murphy. So I do think Murphy's going over in this match. The question is... Who is Buddy Murphy likely to face at WrestleMania? That is the $64,000 question that I don't have the the answer to here and now. Uh, Personally, I quite like Leo Rush. Um, I'd love for him to uh, have a run with the championship somewhere down the line. I think he's an exceptionally talented wrestler um, and probably just as good on the mic as he is in the ring. But he's got uh, association with Bobby Lashley at the moment, and we'll talk more about Bobby Lashley in his match with Finn Balor at Elimination Chamber in a moment. But I would like to see Drew Gulak being given the opportunity um, a, a, on, a, on a stage like WrestleMania against Buddy Murphy. Unfortunately, I have to say, I think that the Cruiserweight Championship match at Mania will more than likely be on the pre-show show much like Buddy Murphy's match against Akira Tozawa on Sunday. I think that'll be on the pre-show as well. But I would love Buddy Murphy to go up against Drew Gulak. I think that'll be an outstanding match. Two contrasting styles between two. Um, I'm going to say it's possibly the two of the best wrestlers in the WWE. Definitely on the Cruiserweight division. Uh, but Buddy Murphy, I think he's definitely retaining his title after their match on Sunday. Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin in a no DQ match. Uh, to be honest with you, I'm done with this feud. I, I was bored with this feud before it even started. I think the only slightly intriguing twist is is that it's no DQ, so expect a lot of action outside the ring, uh, some chairs flying, maybe some, some table shots. Um, but I would also expect to see maybe Kurt Angle and Drew McIntyre get involved in this. Of course, Baron Corbin's got an ongoing feud with Kurt Angle. Uh, Drew McIntyre's uh, been feuding with Braun Strowman. I wouldn't be surprised to see Kurt and Drew get involved in Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman's match here. Um, If I'm honest with you, I think on paper it looks like it's going to be a Braun Strowman win, but with potential outside interference, it could go another way with uh, maybe setting up uh, a tag match for Fastlane or maybe developing some kind of feudal storyline heading into WrestleMania. Then we got, uh, well, the Usos versus The Miz and Shane McMahon. Now, I've just mentioned about Jimmy Uso getting arrested recently. Will he actually be in the match? Will the Usos actually wrestle on Sunday? Uh, My gut instinct tells me no. Um, There's there's a good chance for me when Jimmy Uso has been arrested in the past. He has uh, kind of wrestled the following week on WWE TV. Not entirely sure whether that will be the case uh, for for this pay-per-view match, especially with it being a fairly high-profile arrest being featured on TMZ and various other news outlets over the last 24 hours. Um, If it were to switch from the Usos to another team, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe The Bar was given uh, another shot to regain their championship over The Miz and Shane McMahon. Um, That'll be quite an interesting one. I do see an eventual split between The Miz and Shane McMahon, and I do see them having a match against one another at WrestleMania. So I don't know whether the split is going to happen on Sunday or possibly at Fastlane. Uh, They need a bit of time to develop um, the match and develop the feud heading into WrestleMania. So it could happen as soon as this Sunday. So I don't know who's going to win this purely because I don't know who The Miz and Shane McMahon's opponents are going to be. Then Bobby Lashley um, versus Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, this has recently been changed to a handicap match with Leo Rush. Uh, Now, tagging with Bobby Lashley, Bobby Lashley, of course, the Intercontinental Champion. Finn Balor, only last month, was going up against Brock Lesnar um, in in one of the main events of the Royal Rumble for the Universal Championship. It's nice to see him in contention for another bout, and I do eventually see him uh, becoming the Intercontinental Champion. He hasn't held a WWE bout Uh, Since he was Universal Champion for all of 24 hours, and previous to that, the NXT Champion when he was in NXT, of course. Um, I don't see Finn Balor winning this match. I think uh, Bobby Lashley is going to retain... Because of interference from Leo Rush. Now, to be honest with you, I feel that Finn Balor versus Leo Rush will be a more interesting match. However, um, I'm, I'm quite intrigued to see how uh, this one does eventually play out. I don't see Finn Balor winning on this occasion because I think they're going to save it until WrestleMania, and I think that Finn Balor will become the IC Champion at WrestleMania at the big one in April. Then we got Ronda Rousey versus Ruby Riot. Um, so one of the big stories coming out of Monday Night Raw this past Monday was Becky eventually being, Becky Lynch eventually being suspended by Mr. McMahon for 60 days, which means that her uh, suspension will run out five days after this year's WrestleMania, meaning that her WrestleMania shot against Ronda Rousey has been pulled away from her and she's been replaced by, um, dare I say it, the hottest heel in WWE at the moment, Charlotte Flair. So Ronda Rousey will be defending her Raw Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. Now, um, Charlotte Flair has already said that she's going to be sitting ring ringside to see Ronda take on Ruby Riot for the Raw Women's Championship. I think it does have the potential to be a fairly good one-on-one encounter in itself. Ruby Riot versus Ronda Rousey. I do have a lot of time for Ruby Wright. I thought she was uh, really good on the uh, Independence, uh, excellent in NXT. She's taken a little bit of time to find her feet in the WWE on the main roster. I think uh, although uh, Ruby won't uh, have a chance of beating Ronda Rousey on the day, um, I do think she's going to put in a, you know a fairly decent effort and it should be a reasonably entertaining match. But I think what's going to be more intriguing is what's going to happen on the outside with Charlotte being at ringside. I do expect Becky to show up, possibly to come through the crowd to uh, maybe attack Charlotte. Over time, Becky's got to be able to fight her way back into the championship match um, to face Ronda at WrestleMania. I think we're all kind of set now on a three-way match between Ronda, Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania. The question is, how will Becky kind of fight her way back into that championship match? Ronda's definitely going over on Sunday. I think the most interesting part of this will be what happens on the outside with Charlotte sitting at ringside and Becky possibly getting involved as well. Then we look at the women's Elimination Chamber match, where six women tag teams will be going uh, up against one another to be crowned the first ever WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. And of course, they're not really the first ever because if you think back to the late 80s, we had the, the jumping bomb angels from Japan and other kind of tag teams that were thrown together back in the late 80s. There, there was... A women's tag team division, uh, but of course, uh, the Miz like to sweep history like that under the rug. Um, so, uh, as far as newer wrestling fans are concerned, this is the first time that the women's division have ever had a tag team title. Uh, so, the contenders within the elimination chamber match will be uh, Bailey uh, and Sasha Banks, uh, Tamina and Nia Jax will be combining uh, together as well. The Riot Squad. Uh, the Iconics, Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, Carmella and Naomi, and uh, I like say one of those six teams will come out victorious on Sunday and be named, be crowned the first ever quote unquote WWE Women's Tag Team Champions. Uh, I think there's two serious contenders here: uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks. I think they could walk away with it. I do see them having a bit of a a, a match or a feud um, somewhere down the line. So if they do win the championships, I do expect them to kind of drop them fairly soon so they can develop their singles rivalry into a possible match at WrestleMania. Or maybe Tamina and Nia Jax could walk away with it. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say... Tamina and Nia Jax, I think Nia Jax is one of the hottest acts in the WWE at the moment, one of the hottest acts in the company, and I think that that momentum will follow through on Sunday, and her uh, team with Tamina will be victorious in the Elimination Chamber match, Um, so we shall see how that develops, but uh, quite an intriguing matchup there. Then we get what I think will be the main event on Sunday, the Men's Elimination Chamber match for the WWE Championship with champion Daniel Bryan um, defending his, uh, his his wooden belt against Samoa Joe, Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, AJ Styles and with Mustafa Ali being withdrawn from the match, he's replaced by Kofi Kingston who uh, was the standout Uh, MVP of the Gaulet match this past Tuesday on SmackDown. And uh, he kind of fought his way into the match um, this Sunday to possibly be crowned WWE world champion at the end of it. I think, like most of you out there, Daniel Bryan is retaining. Um, I think Daniel Bryan's got to get to WrestleMania um, as the champion. Uh, The question is, who will he face at WrestleMania? I would like to see him go up against Samoa Joe personally. I know they've had uh, some matches in the past. Um, They haven't been kind of hugely successful in terms of uh, in-ring or storyline. But I think that uh, Samoa Joe could be an obvious contender. There is some rumour out there on the grapevine that John Cena will be coming back at WrestleMania and possibly going up against Daniel Bryan to win his 17th World Championship. So that could be an interesting uh, little angle there, an interesting match. Uh, Daniel Bryan and John Cena have had some cracking matches in the past. If you remember SummerSlam 2013 and uh, the match where Daniel Bryan won his first WWE World Championship, I'm not on about the World Heavyweight Championship, which we knew he won um, a couple of years earlier. Uh, but he was screwed out of the match when Triple H was the ref and Randy Orton was the Money in the Bank briefcase winner from early one of the year. And he cashed it in on Daniel Bryan after Triple H pedigreed Daniel Bryan in the middle of the ring. And it all led, of course, to Daniel Bryan's uh, hugely successful WrestleMania uh, 30 main event victory um, to uh be the undisputed champion uh, standing proudly in the ring in New Orleans in uh, 2014 in WrestleMania 30. So I do expect Daniel Bryan to retain on Sunday and it'll be interesting to see um, who he goes up against at WrestleMania this year. Finishing Move Limited, specialising in simple, stylish and versatile items to elevate your everyday. Check out their Instagram at Limited and find their elevated essentials range at finishingmovelimited.com. So moving on to NXT UK from this past Wednesday, the 13th of February. So this week's episode of NXT UK kicks off with an in-ring promo from Tony Storm. Uh, Storm starts by saying that she didn't think that winning the Mae Young Classic at Evolution couldn't get much better, Uh, but then she went to take over Blackpool and she said that it would be Tony time and... And boy, was she right. But she knew the second she won that title against Rhea Ripley that Ripley would be after her rematch. Rhea Ripley is nothing more than a bully, Tony says. Tony calls herself a fighting champion because she has already kicked Rhea Ripley's ass, and she would be happy to kick her ass again. Just then, Rhea Ripley's music starts and she comes out. Um, at NXT TakeOver Blackpool, you got lucky, Rhea Ripley says. Ripley goes on to say that she was the first ever NXT UK women's champion and she is sick and tired of everyone comparing her to Tony Storm when they should be comparing Tony Storm to Rhea Ripley. I hate you, Tony Storm. I hate your stupid hair, I hate your stupid face, but most of all, I hate the fact that you have my championship. Rhea finishes by saying that she has her rematch. Uh, Tony says, that's nice and all, but don't you think you've talked enough? And just then Tony tackles Rhea Ripley to the ground before Rhea goes to the outside as the fans start uh, to cheer loudly for Tony Storm. And it looks like we're getting Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley next week on NXT UK. So that should be an awesome match uh, for what I presume is going to be the NXT UK Women's Championship So we've got our first match on NXT UK, Jordan Devlin versus Noam Dar. So it's been a while since we've seen the Scottish supernova on NXT UK, but tonight he goes up against the Irish ace, Jordan Devlin. And as you may have seen, Devlin went all the way to the semi-finals of the World Collide tournament, which took place during Royal Rumble weekend at Access. This should be a fun match between two wrestlers with similar credentials and with Devlin appearing, the slightly bigger of the two superstars here in this encounter. Noam Dar starts the match strongly, but Devlin doesn't take too long to take control of the match with a Uranagi and his standing moonsault combination for a two count. Devlin has really grown into his heel character and persona over the last couple of years. Uh, Devlin continues the assault of Dar with a shoulder barge into the corner before nailing his opponent with a giant standing backbreaker and a stiff kick to the face of Noam Dar. Devlin really dominated the match for the first five minutes, executing a picture-perfect suplex in the corner of the ring for another two-count. Dar strikes back with a series of forearms before Devlin misses a second rope crossbody, which is where Dar started to turn the tide. Dar executes a sweet reverse Northern-like suplex before catching Devlin in midair with an ankle lock, which Devlin is able to escape from before hitting an Irish ace-cutter for a close near fall. The match goes to the outside where Dar attempts a soccer kick to his opponent, only for Dar to nail the steel ring steps instead. And like a shark tasting blood in the water, Devlin goes straight after Dahl's left ankle. uh, Before, Travis Banks comes down to the ringside to go after his nemesis, Jordan Devlin. At this moment, Noam Dahr pulls Devlin off the ring steps, with Devlin going face first into the steel. Back in the ring, Devlin goes for a pinfall attempt, but with his feet on the rope... Only for Travis Banks to see this and push Devlin's feet clear from the ropes, Uh, Devlin takes exception to this and confronts Banks uh, on his actions. Only for Noam Dar to take advantage of his distracted opponent with a roll-up from behind for the surprise pin four victory. Devlin looks less than pleased with his pinfall loss to Dar, attacking the Scottish supernova from behind with a forearm and a seato suplex. Uh, thanks, David Anderson, for setting me straight there. It's not a backdrop driver, as Nigel McGuinness called it. It's definitely a saTO suplex. Uh, this segment ends with Travis Banks pummeling Devlin to the backstage area. That match was fun and it went 12 minutes uh, with a slightly unexpected victory for Noem Dar and some storyline continuation between Jordan Devlin and the Kiwi Buzz or Travis Banks. This feud between Travis Banks and Jordan Devlin, however, hasn't been a blowaway classic feud in my opinion, but I'm sure that we'll get to see a blow-off match between these two in the coming weeks, or at least I hope so. It'd be nice to see these two tangle with someone different in the future, because even I'm a little tired of these two getting involved in each other's matches or never seemingly to seemingly to have a a decisive winner in any of their confrontations. Um, In other words, their feud isn't doing it for me. And as much as I like Jordan Devlin, I can't help but think Travis Banks is a little bit on the boring side. And that's just my opinion. We then see a graphic showing a match that will air in two weeks' time between Cassius Ono and the ring general, the almighty Walter. That will be a super stiff encounter between two solid workers and one that I'm definitely looking forward to watching and reviewing here on the podcast. It's also made official that Tony Storm will defend her NXT UK Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley on next week's NXT UK TV. Then we get a match between Ginny, the fashionista, versus Mia Yim. So Ginny, in my opinion, does portray the perfect heel. Uh, Arrogant and calculating, and she can definitely back it up in the ring too. Uh, Mia, definitely the crowd favourite, and definitely a bright personality on the NXT Women's roster, who is also very talented in the ring. I'm not sure if Yim will ever be a contender for the NXT Women's Championship belt, but definitely a valuable talent to have around, who can hold her own against pretty much anyone on that roster. There's a lot of back and forth action uh, for the first few minutes of this match with Ginny eventually getting the upper hand by slamming Yim face first to the canvas before punishing Yim's back uh, before applying a seated wheelbarrow to add insult to injury. In a turn of events, Mir Yim uh, manages to execute a tarantula, uh, bringing back memories of Tajiri from back in the day. Yim charges Ginny in the corner with a cannonball before connecting several stiff kicks and a solid German suplex, um, stapping Ginny's head onto the second turnbuckle and that looked uh, pretty vicious. Then in a quick turn of events, Ginny catches Yim with a kick to the jaw while Yim was on the ring apron and as Mia Yim rolls back into the ring, Ginny covers uh, with her feet clearly on the ropes for extra leverage and she manages to get a three count. It's a shame there was no Travis Banks on the outside to push her feet from the ropes like he did against Jordan Devlin in the match before. But nevertheless, that was a another win for Ginny, albeit by nefarious means. Uh, but Ginny is a heel after all, so what would you expect? Nevertheless, a win is a win and Ginny raises her stock as she continues to build towards uh, being a top contender for the NXT UK Women's Championship. Will will no doubt go up against Tony Storm for her championship fairly soon. Then we get the main event of this hour of NXT UK, Wolfgang versus the Bruiserweight and the WWE UK champion Pete Dunne. This is the first time we've seen the Bruiserweight since his epic WWE UK championship encounter with Joe Coffey at TakeOver Blackpool, which I still think was an excellent match by anyone's standards and a match I will will remember for all the right reasons for a long time to come. And I'm sure if you were there on the night, you will have enjoyed it uh, every bit as much as I did, I'm sure. As the bell rings for the start of the match, Wolfgang throws his waistcoat at Dunn to show his disregard towards the champion in this non-title match. Wolfgang definitely has the weight and the strength advantage in this match, but nothing matches the great ring awareness and skill of Pete Dunn. Wolfgang launches himself at the champion with a stiff forearm, bringing the bruiser weight to the canvas. However, Dunn quickly lands a solid clothesline, followed by a dropkick to the knee of the Gallus member. The match goes back and forth with some quick transitions between the two wrestlers. Uh, Dunn does eventually get a close near fall on Wolfgang with an Xplex and a triangle, which Wolfgang powers out of, slamming Dunn into the corner of the ring before nailing him with a running back sent on and a reverse suplex for a two count by the big man. Wolfgang goes to the top, only to be caught with an Enziguri by Dunn, which he follows up with an outstanding top rope suplex, or superplex I should say, sending his opponent across the length of the ring. Pete Dunn then tries to work on Wolfgang's fingers, but instead Wolfie smashes the champ with a solid lariat turning Dunn inside out um, and then follows up with a pair of knees only for a two count. Wolfgang goes for the howling, uh, but he misses only to be caught in in an armbar with added finger snapping for the submission victory by the Bruiserweight in this fun main event uh, for this week's NXT UK. So uh, next week, we will see Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley go against one another in a championship rematch from TakeOver Blackpool. We will also get to see Mark and Joe Coffey teaming together to take on Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Once again, that was another excellent episode of NXT UK with a very good main event between the Gallus member Wolfgang and the Bruiserweight Pete Dunne. And uh, an enjoyable match there. Definitely go out of your way to catch this week's NXT UK Moving on to NXT, uh, this week's uh, episode uh, starts with a graphic paying tribute to Pedro Morales. Now, we paid our tribute to Pedro Morales at the beginning of this episode. He'll be sadly missed. The first batch of NXT this week features Shane Thorne versus Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, I think I got that right, um, if not for the slight stumble at the very beginning there. Not an easy name, I'm sure you'll agree. I'm sure it's uh, much easier when he was Dominic Dijak um, in Ring of Honor. So Dijakovic playing the babyface here, which is uh, an interesting dynamic because I always thought he was portrayed as a heel in previous encounters on NXT. But as the match progresses, you can kind of understand why he's being portrayed as a babyface. Shane Thorne, dominating the match in the first couple of minutes, going after uh, Dijakovic's left arm. So Dijakovic comes back with a massive clothesline, a big back elbow and a huge suplex launching Shane Thorne across the ring. It's more of a throw, to be honest with you. Shane Thorne then strikes back with a Saito suplex on the big man. Thorne then goes to the top where he's met by Dijakovic. Dijakovic uh Pl- Dijakovic's planned offence was cut short with Thorn going after the injured left arm once again, but instead of Thorn being able to throw Dijakovic from the middle turnbuckle to the canvas, Dijakovic instead lands a perfect somersault from the top rope, it was more of a, a moonsault to be honest with you, landing firmly on his feet. In the centre of the ring, Dodjkovic then boots Thorn from the turnbuckle, sending him to the outside before hitting another stunning move with a springboard corkscrew plancher and nailing Shane Thorne perfectly on the outside. Dijakovic finishes the match um, after nailing Shane Thorne with his Feast Your Eyes for the 1-2-3. And that was impressive. And once again, going back to him portraying a babyface in this match because he was pulling together all of his babyface moves. The uh, springboard corkscrew plancher, the uh, moonsault where he landed on his feet, um, the awesome kind of throw suplex from earlier on in the match. If he was a heel, um, he wouldn't be half as interesting. Um, but he's obviously got the size, he's got the look, he's got the moves. And I think he's popular with the NXT Full sale crowd as well. So I think he makes a good baby face and it would be interesting to see how they use him in the future. I definitely, definitely want to watch a very impressive character. You can really understand why they signed him last year. Then we get the Undisputed Era. They're seen backstage saying how they are fed up with how... 2019 hasn't been their year so far. Bobby Fish then goes on to say that they are the Undisputed era and that they will take what is rightfully theirs. Strong says that with Fish and O'Reilly back together as a tag team, they will indeed reclaim the NXT Tag Team gold. Cole says that in 2019, Undisputed will be dripping in gold and that starts tonight in his match with Ricochet. And that Ricochet is in well over his head. Ricochet is nothing more than a one trick pony, and that it will show why 2019 will be the year of Undisputed. So, that match is the main event of tonight's NXT. We'll be covering that fairly soon. We then see Kairi Sane and Io Shirai backstage with Io saying how she is coming for Shayna Baszler's NXT Women's Championship. Then Bianca Belair appears, saying how before Io pinned Shayna on last week's NXT, she had Shayna beaten all on her own at TakeOver Phoenix, and she also had her beat again tonight, despite not getting the pinfall. Belair says that Io and Kyrie need to fall back, because that NXT title was hers, because she is undefeated. Although I'm not sure she is undefeated after a loss to Shayna Baszler at TakeOver Phoenix. But this could lead to a match between Io Shirai and Bianca Belair to see who will be the number one contender to Baszler's championship. And maybe uh, the number one contender going into uh, the championship match at NXT TakeOver New York. Then we get Cassius Ono appearing to gatecrash the next match to address the notorious for sale crowd and to tell them that from the bottom of his heart, each and every one of them made him sick. He detests and despises them. Uh, he's going to tell them something that they don't know and that he is out of here. He's gone and he's going somewhere where he can show that he is the best at what he does. Just then, Keithley appears from behind uh, with a blindsided attack of Ono from behind, Keith Lee grabs the mic to say, Oh my god. That got a nice ripple of appreciation from the fans. Keith Lee then finishes by telling uh, Cassius Ono not to let the door hit him on the ass on the way out. Keith Lee then apologises to the wrestlers in the ring, and the show continues. So that was a fun little segment with Ono hinting that he's on his way out, which he isn't, of course. And uh, it's more than likely setting up a storyline feud between Keith Lee and Cassius Ono, which is uh, much needed uh, for Lee Lee to get involved in something, anything really. Uh, It was also nice to see Lee show some personality, which in my opinion he desperately lacked since joining NXT last year. Now, with this uh, little promo towards Cassius Ono on the stage area, um, that went some way towards showing some of the charisma that we've heard so much about uh, all this time. So we get the match uh, that uh, that Cassius Ono so rudely interrupted a few minutes earlier, Humberto Carrillo and Stacey Urban Jr. versus the Street Profits. Now, this should be one hell of a match. The Profits have really caught my eye over recent weeks, in particular with the highly athletic and ever-impressive Montez Ford and the powerhouse Angelo Dawkins. I'd love to see these two get involved in a, in the tag title picture soon, uh, not just saddled with teams like the Forgotten Sons. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a triple threat match between the Street Profits versus Undisputed Era versus the War Raiders at NXT TakeOver over WrestleMania weekend which um, is is going to be called NXT TakeOver, a blacklist, I believe. That is the the rumoured kind of subheading for NXT TakeOver over WrestleMania weekend. So that would be one hell of a match. That's just me going out on a limb. Soon into the match, Stacey Urban Jr. is tagged in, but promptly flattened by the bigger and more powerful Angelo Dawkins. Both Ford and Dawkins showing a much more aggressive side to their characters in this match, which could be the difference maker between where they were and where they could be. Ford gets tagged in, and to demonstrate my last point, executes a wickedly high back suplex on Urban Jr, Uh, with the move appearing to land on the back of Urban's neck. The ref had to check on Urban Jr before he would allow Ford to cover, and he managed to get a two count on that occasion. Urban Jr somehow manages to get the tag to Carrillo, uh, where he cleans house uh, on Ford and Dawkins. Carrillo nails a missile dropkick and a standing moonsault to get close near fall on Dawkins. Urban Jr gets tagged back in to execute a super high tsunami moonsault on Angelo Dawkins. The end of the match comes when Stacey Urban gets hoisted up into an electric chair on Angelo Dawkins' shoulders, allowing his tag partner Montez Ford to hit a super blockbuster on Urban Jr. from off of Dawkins shoulders for the easy pinfall victory and that was a surprisingly fun match with a, a newly found aggression by the Street Profits giving them the win here. The uh, high angled back suplex from Ford onto Stacy Urban Jr. looked particularly rough um, but both Carrillo and Urban Jr. still managed to pull it, put in a great showing against Ford and Dawkins in this matchup that went 6 minutes. The Profits then get on the mic uh, saying they want a piece of the action. A loud you deserve it chance from the full sale fans. The Profits send out a challenge to the NXT Tag Team Champions to War Raiders before the music of the European Union. Marcel Bartel and Fabian Eichner makes an appearance onto the ramp area. Bartel says that nobody deserves an opportunity at the War Raiders more than they do. They tell the Street prophets to stand aside. Uh, the music of Danny Burch and Only Larkin then starts, and all three teams look like they're ready to fight in the ring. The War Raiders music starts, and with the championship belts in hand, along with the microphone, they come to address the three teams of the ring. Hansen says that if they want the titles, then they are right here, so make their move. Then the Undisputed Era comes out from out of nowhere and blindsides the Tag Team Champions before they head uh, back, scurrying back uh, like uh, the the heels that they are, back to the locker room as all four teams of the War Raiders, the European Union, the Street Profits and Birch and Onlylorkin, battle it out in the ring only for the War Raiders to clear house. Wow. That was a really good segment. Uh, There's a lot of talk, uh, the tag team scene on the main roster being in poor condition at the moment. However, with the five teams that we've just seen in the ring in NXT, I'm happy to report that the tag team scene on this show is definitely alive and kicking. What will the future hold for these five teams and the tag team gold in NXT? Interesting and exciting times to see who will be the number one contender for the gold as we get closer to NXT TakeOver over WrestleMania weekend. We then see graphic advertising, the match between Johnny Gargano and the Velveteen Dream for Johnny's North American Championship um, in his first ever championship defense that will take place next week on NXT. That will be a must-see match and one that I cannot wait to watch and review on this podcast. We then get a match between Tynera Conti and Alaya with Alaya getting the win after three minutes thanks to some outside interference from Vanessa Bourne, uh, with both celebrating in the ring after the match. That was until the music of the NXT Women's Champion Shayna Baszler starts, and her, along with uh, Jasmine Duke uh, Marina Shafir, bundling Bourne, Alaya, and Conti back into the ring, only to be destroyed by Baszler and company, uh, before sending out a clear message to the rest of the NXT Women's locker room uh, to not piss them off. Then we get the main event Adam Cole versus Ricochet. So these two last met at NXT TakeOver at Brooklyn 4 last summer, where Ricochet defeated Adam Cole to win the North American Championship. This match um, tonight was high octane from as soon as the bell rang and in one spot fairly early on Adam Cole super kicked Ricochet from the second turnbuckle only for Ricochet's left ankle to get caught up in the ropes. Uh, Setting the story of the match really with Cole targeting the injured left knee of his opponent meaning that Ricochet will be less likely to use his high flying arsenal. Ricochet does manage to fight back with a huge lariat turning Cole inside out before executing a 619 and a flying uppercut from the top rope. Ricochet nails a standing moonsault for a close near fall, but he is unable to capitalise before Adam Cole goes back to the injured leg of his opponent. Cole hits a fireman carry backbreaker for a close near fall of his own. Cole gets another two count from a, a high backbreaker on Ricochet. Ricochet does manage to hit a reverse runner on Cole, uh, and Ricochet does manage to execute a springboard senton, but was only able to springboard from uh, the top rope with one foot, causing him to land awkwardly on the legs of Adam Cole, which looked painful uh, for the leader of the Undisputed Era. Both men then trade forearms, punches and kicks in the ring, while uh, Cole getting another close near fall thanks to a strong superkick, Ricochet does manage to nail a Frankensteiner from the turnbuckles onto Cole before hitting a Northern Light suplex and a package of Vertigo Slam for the eventual win, the 1-2-3. But before Ricochet could even think about celebrating his win, the rest of the Undisputed Era come down to attack the victor, um, as well as former NXT champion Alistair Black, who was also beaten down as the show came to an end, and Undisputed Era standing tall in the ring. Well, that was another action-packed edition of NXT with plenty of storyline development We're within the, the tag division, the women's division, and with uh, the developing storyline between Ricochet and Undisputed Era. Definitely a thumbs-up episode of NXT for me. And along with uh, the thumbs-up episode of NXT UK, a couple of fun hours of wrestling that you should definitely go out of your way to watch once you've listened to this podcast. So that pretty much draws us to an end of this edition of Wrestling Majolahs. At the beginning of the show, you got my um, predictions for this coming Sunday's Elimination Chamber. Now, we're going to be covering Elimination Chamber, the entire pay-per-view on Wrestling with Johnnies. It will probably drop Tuesday evening, and I'm going to be accompanied once again by David Anderson, who will be uh, reviewing Elimination Chamber and all of the goings on in that show with me on Tuesday. So don't forget to listen to the podcast when that drops on Tuesday. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, if you did, please don't forget to hit that subscribe, like and share this episode and tell your friends and tell your family about Wrestling With Johners. Um Keep listening to Wrestling With Johnners for all of your weekly NXT UK, NXT, WWE and Progress Wrestling updates. You can listen uh, to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, Podcast Addict, Anchor, And pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, we are literally everywhere. Once again, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can email us, wrestlingwithjohnners at gmail.com. You can uh, interact with us on our Twitter page, at withjohnners underscore pod. You can visit our Instagram page, just simply search wrestlingwithjohnners or uh, at wrestlingwithjohnners. Visit our YouTube page. When you're on YouTube, simply search wrestlingwithjohnners.com. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page, the Wrestling With Jonners community page. Go onto Facebook and search Wrestling With Jonners to be part of all of the Facebook fun there. As mentioned earlier, we'll be back on Tuesday with our WWE Elimination Chamber pay-per-view review with David Anderson. So don't forget to download and listen to that episode. Otherwise, for the meantime, have a great weekend and catch up with you all soon. <music>